thank you for joining us for this next year turnaround restructuring and insolvency podcast series. We'll be exploring global issues that affect the world economy. I'm your host, Rebecca Harding, and I'll be joined by a selection of experts from around the world in firms that are all part of the Nexia International Network, and all of whom are leaders in turnaround, restructuring and insolvency. Nexia International is a leading global network of independent accounting and consulting firms. All of the experts appearing on this show can be contacted via the Nexia International website. Thank you. Hello and welcome. This is our second podcast looking at the current energy situation and its impact on business. While still dealing with COVID, many of us have experienced energy shortages and these have affected businesses as well as consumers. I'm here today with Peter Hochleitner, Managing Director of My Electric and One to Zero, and Tobias Fiener, Managing Director of One to Zero. One to Zero is a business specialising in green energy solutions. They're based in Vienna and Salzburg, respectively. So hi, Peter and Tobias. So how is Austria today? Is it warm? (laughs) Unlikely. (laughs) Hi, Rebecca. Nice to meet you. Yes, Austria is roughly zero degrees and cloudy, so not the place to be, honestly. It's very similar to here, actually. I'm in in the middle of England. And (laughs) And we're in the middle of the Omicron COVID topic. But I think that's all over Europe at the moment. Yeah, I think everyone's struggling with that. So on to energy. So what is the current situation with energy in Europe and how bad are the shortages? Currently, we are facing, I think, once in a lifetime changes in the energy market. You know, we are an energy provider on the one hand, on the other side as well, a company work helping customers with decentralized energy systems. And I can I see both sides. And what we see is that the change of the European energy system from less green sources like coal or uh, atomic energy to green resources causes a lot of effects at the moment. So energy pricing with the shortages are terribly rising, roughly five times than a year ago, which causes a lot of topics for private consumers, but even more for businesses, because they base their whole business case and and economic future on stability. And so it's more important than ever before to focus on the right topics to be future proven as well. Yeah, it's a really difficult time for everybody, isn't it? And, uh, you know, it's it's so hard. Even at home, everybody's struggling, aren't they? So so what do you think the future is for European energy? Because we, we've got to come out of this difficult time now. I mean, Tobias, what do you think the future is for energy in Europe? Yeah, hi, Rebecca. Um, it's, it's great to, 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 to live in that time because we are now in this system, future system of, of green energy, and zero emission, and it's it's a, a theme of, of generations. My generation, your generation, Peter's generation, my son's generation. So we are affecting a, a world which, which is coming from a centralized to a decentralized system, yeah, which is coming from an, an uh, we're going to a completely renewable system for e-mobilities, for battery uh, resources, or the Internet of Energy. And um, we are building this game for, for European companies are how we can affect the future, how we can help people to, to get in this transformation and how we can, can give talents a, a good opportunity to work in Europe. Because Europe is, is a bit in this um, situation 
against United States and against Asia and against Russia because our system is now a centralized system which is um, yeah not decentralized for for being affected to all these companies so it's great to be in your podcast helping green energies for the next generation no I, I mean it is we really are looking to the future aren't we I mean I think we all have children and it's it is it, very much the top of my mind when I talk to my eldest who <laughs> Peter knows is doing um, climate at university so I get talked about it all the time but do you think it's restricting what we're doing with energy to Europe alone is is right do you think we need to be looking far more internationally you know and, and looking to all the different parts of the world and trying to create something bigger together how, how do you think we can combine energy and and you know so that everybody can benefit from my mindset and understanding it is the point that we cannot um, solve the covid crisis we cannot solve the energy system and we cannot cannot change this this climate change uh, from a regional point of view and from a regional understanding. So we have to think big, we have to think forward. And Peter, my understanding is thinking in an Internet of Energy, combining digital and energy and making the system more decentralized than ever is, is a great answer to the future. So an Internet of Energy, Peter, ta explain that a bit more, what you mean by that. I think the, the everybody has to do the change from a private person with with a household or a or a house up to the largest corporations, because we are really try, trying to change the world now, or we need to change the world. You know, the the latest uh, conference on climate showed us that we are far away from the path we need where we need to be. So that the, the target needs to be to to not to restrict global warming to one point five degrees in the year twenty one zero zero, and I think the latest forecasts are on plus three degrees or even more, and they are they are also very interesting. They're also regional forecasts. So for Vienna, it's it's it says plus six degrees more in Vienna in the year twenty one zero zero, or for Salzburg plus four degrees more, which means winter tourism and Austria is famous for skiing and other yeah, nice absolutely. winter sports. That will be tricky. So mm -hmm. it will be a f uh, all year summer sport <laughs> country in the future if this happens. So we'll both be in shorts next time I talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, talking it in, in a funny way, it's important to understand the topic, but it's also a very serious topic. What this means to nature, water or food and all the topics that's not not a nice situation where we need to be in so everybody needs to contribute to that one from the private household to the biggest corporations and that's the reason every the more people talk about it that everybody understands is the more more important it is no absolutely but do you think the, the governments and the, the sort of authorities went far enough at cop 26 because you've kind of got business now pushing very hard um in terms of green do you think that the governments are in line with what people want and and they've gone fast enough for me for me the, even the that's the cop 26 means it's the 26th 
conference, which even shows the, <laughs> the 25 <laughs> were not so successful out of that. <laughs> so it means uh, it now arrives really in the in the different region and the political system. So the European Union really understood two years ago with the Green Deal that they need to take it serious and do things. But even that arrives in the local legislation, for example, in Austria, it arrives two years later from the European level to the local level. So we are at the moment in defining laws in all kinds of ways, which means then the implementation of the laws will take even longer. So we are on the critical path already. And we need to, I would say, we are not fast enough and not bold enough what we are doing. Sorry, we we have to we, we need to have changing the game from a climate discussion to, to climate action. So we need in Europe more, I think, more sustainable leaders, more climate climate leaders, and more more business people who are doing these things, not talking about climate. Um, and that's the main point, I guess. So, do you think that business is taking more of a lead than government at the moment on green issues? Sometimes yes, but um, it depends more on the consumer side. Um, if we talk about our our children's and Christmas uh, presents and, and all these things, um, the consumers have the um, power for the climate change. And I totally agree that the, the change will come from the consumers over the e-mobility, the battery teams, the PV teams. So, um, the more climate consumers and sustainable consumers are in the market, the more um, business companies have to change their system. And that's not, not, not so far away from, from the government um, that they are taking these risks and, and setting action points for these sustainable customers and consumers. Yeah, well, you've both done a lot of work internationally. So if the consumers are sort of driving the businesses and the business then drive government, are there a lot of cultural differences um, that are affecting the speed of change in in these different countries? Uh, I think this will be an economical game as well. There are more rich countries which, which can afford to do the change, honestly. And Europe is one of the continents who can afford, which also in the long term will give Europe a competitive advantage because you developing uh, technologies and processes and products and so on, which are green and sustainable. And that's our future-oriented products will help companies to compete internationally. But there are other continents, honestly, which we also as Europeans have to help, looking on Africa or other poorer countries where we have the personal um, important way that we need to to help them as well but it's a political topic so and it's very good to see that the us and china and others are also joining the gang and uh, taking it serious and uh, finding ways to contribute I mean, also, it, it is the people and on the sort of cultural level too, because I, am I right in thinking that in Germany, there's been a lot of protests about wind turbines in the south of Germany and things like that. So it's, is that right to bias? Yeah. yeah, there are big differences between the population attitudes and, and, and the government. I think it's, it's becoming a thing from North Germany to South Germany. 
because I'm born, I was born in, in South Germany and, and, and PV and battery or e-mobility is in the market, yeah. I take a look to North Germany where, where it's coal and there are the, the uh, big centralized system layers. There is not such much uh, PV, there is much wind, yeah. But um, yeah, if you talk about um, is there a wind turbine in your garden, then everybody is looking back and saying no. <laughs> No, it's true around here as well. <laughs> it's a difficult one, isn't it? Balancing your own personal likes and wants with them. Um, and I think it's, it's making people shift, isn't it? From actually thinking it's more important than a pretty view out the window. But mm -hmm. I think that's going to take a bit of time still. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean... Climate change, but not in my backyard, yes. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Not working. That's not working. <laughs> So, I mean, energy, energy does impact business and they really can't ignore it now. Um, and I think the consumer demand is really changing. I, I certainly, we're buying lots more, you know, we're much more aware in my house of, um, you know, what, how green companies are and what they're doing. And we will buy a green company product over another. Um, so what are the strategic issues that you think businesses should be focused on? I think I think uh, global, also big corporations with big uh, market research departments, already found out that consumer behavior, consumer demand is changing. So if you take the big uh, top names of Europe, you see that they are giving themselves targets to become CO2 neutral and others you know, and also acting against these targets. So I think the big ones are on the way. And I think the, the next step would be that the next level of more the regional big players or the regional medium-sized players also getting this changing business environment into their DNA, understand what it means and act against it. Because I think that's the more healthy part than facing regulation or, or governmental fines or other things. Then it becomes a negative spiral which of a very positive and important topic so so how overall do businesses need to change their thinking you know what's what are the areas that they need to be looking at because we've done lots of businesses have been faced with the whole covid issue and they've had to do a lot of transformation around that so how do you bring the transformation around covid together with with energy and looking at their carbon footprint as well I think there is one trigger point in the market. Uh, uh, we talked about climate discussion and climate action. And from my understanding and point of view, it's it's not competition. So if you understand the climate theme and the, um, the COVID theme, it's over regional. So we business leaders have has to become a competition game. So they have to work together around these climate topics to change the system into a zero emission ecosystem. And becoming from this climate discussion to a climate action plan is starting competition over platforms like Google, like Datas, like Amazon, like Teslas. So they all have worked together with other business players. And with competition, we will not um, coming to a great answer to this uh, CO2 emission system will not work yeah so it needs to be driven by the big companies at the top but i mean if 
say a small company um, in the SME sector, small, medium-sized businesses, I mean, they, they need to take as much action as well. So where do they start? Because it's quite difficult if you're a small company to know where to begin when you don't have the same resources. So what would you recommend to those companies? I think it's very easy for for smaller companies as well. Looking on the huge increase in energy prices, you know, you face immediately much higher costs than the years before. And if the whole transformation will be done at at the customer or at the cop or the corporate facilities, so the decentralized energy system is decentralized means is in your backyard. So at your production site or wherever. So if you build a sustainable production like photovoltaic, sun or wind turbines and storage and this kind of thing, so invest in these topics, you become much more independent from the grid and central production. So whatever the price is rising, you produce your own energy and and you are autonomous on that one. So it's immediately facing and simply to calculate uh, immediate action to become more stable and more healthy in the future. And the second topic, CO2, which is the main driver, is becoming a price tag. And in Austria, it, started, it starts in the f- uh, 1st of July with 30 euro per ton. In the Nordics, it's already at 100 euro per ton. So just calculate your CO2 consumption and multiply it with hundreds, then you know what the costs are coming. So it's much easier to start early enough the transformation that when the bill comes, you need to don't need to pay you don't need to pay it. So you haven't got the investment on the new technologies or the, the new changes at the same time as getting the fines because you can see everybody's yeah. gonna be panicking. It's much, yeah. <laughs> it's much better to invest than to pay fines usually yeah. when you drive your cars. <laughs> Absolutely. So if you were going to give a top tip to a um, to a business owner or a, a managing director of a business today and say, if there's one thing that you should do tomorrow at work to get things going, what, what would you say to Bias? If you're being a top company in the next years, you have to be sustainable and um, manage your CO2 service by anyone other who is doing that better. Um, this is our understanding for one to zero. So one to zero is managing CO2 services and businesses for other companies. Um, that's my answer. And um, if you're looking on the uh, top 10 and top or top five, 2030 for the global companies, there are five from five are sustainable leaders. Yeah, because they've been more competitive on that front. Yeah, no, I can see that. What about you, Peter? What's your top tip? I would say as, as every CEO on this on this planet should put sustainability in his top five topics for next year. I think that's a very simple thing. One of the spend twenty percent of your time on sustainability. So develop your organization, make yourself familiar with the the advantages and disadvantages arising for your company. And the last point is call us. Yeah. <laughs> <Of course. laughs> well, thank you 
so oh. much, guys. That's been really interesting, and I really appreciate your time today. So, if people want to get hold of you, um, you're on LinkedIn, aren't you? And we'll put your details at the bottom under the on the platform that you're listening to the podcast on. You'll be able to see let's see where they are. But um, one to zero has got um, a website as well, haven't you? So, um, but thank you so much. This has been really interesting. So, go and have a nice evening in Vienna and Salzburg. Not that I'm jealous at all, stuck in Northampton. <laughs> anyway, it's been lovely to see you. Thanks, guys. It was great speaking Bye-bye. to you. Thank you very much. Greetings to London. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. This podcast was brought to you by the Nexia Turnaround Restructuring and Insolvency Business Group. The group was formed to bring together financial, legal and operational expertise from across the Nexia network to support global clients and international business at times of operational challenges and financial distress. If you want to get in touch with any of our speakers or any of the experts in the 45 firms in 36 countries across the world, then please click the link accompanying this podcast or visit the Nexia website. All views expressed in this podcast are individual opinions and do not constitute professional advice. You're advised to seek professional advice if you want to see how an industry applies to your own situation.